We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 623 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Tuesday, August 1st, 2023. It is the first day of a new month. This also is the day on which we will have the first padded practice of 2023 Commander's Training Camp. Yeah, the pads, they are coming out. The physicality is about to be ramped up. Uh, There is about to be a whole lot of hitting uh, at the team facility in Ashburn, Virginia. Is there about to be a whole lot of trading by the Nationals and Orioles? Uh, We have arrived at 2023 MLB trade deadline day. Uh, The trade deadline in Major League Baseball is on Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, We on Monday evening got a big trade by the Nats. Uh, They dealt third baseman Jamer Candelario to the Chicago Cubs for two prospects. We'll see if more trades by the Nats take place. Uh, We'll also see if the O's make a big move. Uh, We had this tweet from MLB insider John Morosi of MLB Network on Monday afternoon, quote, the Orioles are one team to watch on Justin Verlander. Baltimore has the prospects to be involved in any trade, end quote. Are the O's about to trade for New York Mets starting pitcher Justin Verlander? The Mets are trading everybody else right now. Uh, Might as well trade Verlander uh, later in the show. We'll talk Nats and O's, including what went down in each team's game on Monday night. The Nats beat the Milwaukee Brewers 5-3 at Nationals Park as multiple other Nats trade ships did well. And the O's won at the Toronto Blue Jays 4-2 behind a strong start from Kyle Gibson and a five-out save from the ace reliever, Felix Batista. Hello and welcome to this Tuesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Well, Monday evening, the Nats traded a guy named Jamer. Monday morning, the commanders at training camp were without a guy named Jamin, uh, as in linebacker Jamin Davis, who was appealing a reckless driving conviction in Loudoun County, Virginia. Yet, Jamin missed practice on Monday morning due to being in court. Uh, It turns out that Jamin, on March 28, 2022, was charged with reckless driving. This for going 114 miles per hour in a 45-mile-per-hour zone. 114 in a 45. Uh, And we on Monday morning also learned that this was not the first time that Jamin has allegedly been speeding. Uh, Next segment, I will address uh, Jamin apparently wanting to be a NASCAR driver. Hey, maybe he can drive for Joe Gibbs Racing. Remember our new commander's managing partner, Josh Harris, uh, and a new limited partner of the team, David Blitzer. Uh, They now are a part of Joe Gibbs Racing, right? Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment is a minority owner of Joe Gibbs Racing, and Joe Gibbs is a limited partner in Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment. Uh, But anyway, next segment, I will address this Jamin Davis situation, and I will talk about 
The commander's top two edge defenders, Montez Sweat and Chase Young, off comments from Montez and head coach Rod Rivera during post-training camp practice press conferences on Monday morning. And the following segment, I will talk Terry McLaurin, the commander's top receiver, the commander's WR1 uh, he, during a post-practice press conference on Monday morning, said a lot of good stuff about the man being positioned to be the team's QB1, Sam Howell. Uh, as we all know, Terry, over his four NFL seasons, has dealt with extreme quarterback instability. Could it be, might it be, uh, that Sam is the man who will provide the uh, long-sought long-desired, long-lusted-after stability to the quarterback position uh, for our team. You'll also hear Terry discuss the commander's new ownership, the Josh Harris Group. Uh, also with the commanders, by the way, uh, they on Monday afternoon signed a running back, uh, announced the signing of unrestricted free agent back Derek Gore. Uh, Derek Gore entered the NFL in 2019 as an undrafted free agent out of Louisiana Monroe. Uh, he transferred there from Alabama. Uh, Gore spent time uh, in the 2019 season of the Redskins practice squad, actually. Uh, he also has spent time with the Los Angeles Chargers and New Orleans Saints. But Derek Gore's only actual NFL regular season action came in the 2021 season, and that action came with the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> Derek Gore is the newest member of the Command Chiefs uh, with the Chiefs offensive coordinator for the last five seasons. Eric Bieniemy now the Commander's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from someone calling him or herself, quote, your nonpartisan political correspondent, end quote. Uh, this email is about the now former owner of the Commanders, Dan Snyder. Feels good to say that, doesn't it? Uh, reads the email. As always, my hat is off to you for the intelligence, energy, and even handedness that you put into the analysis of the D.C. sports scene. Even when you're talking about a sport or a team or a school that I don't follow that closely, I still listen because I always learn something. Keep up the great work. Uh, thank you very much for that. Continues the email. Wanted to share a thought that has been bugging me. The great duo of Don Van Natta Jr. and Seth Wickersham reported that Dan Snyder had a blackmail PowerPoint based on 650,000 emails. Bruce Allen told John Gruden that those emails incriminate everyone in the league, and Dan Snyder probably still has the emails. I'm not saying that Dan did not deserve what happened to him, but the NFL kicked Dan in the teeth on the way out the door, finding him $60 million and calling him a thief guilty of sexual harassment. A handful of those emails destroyed the career of John Gruden. How many other NFL careers could be wrecked by leaking to reporters emails containing politically incorrect locker room type talk among NFL executives, team executives, coaches, broadcasters, etc.? If you give me the over-under as John Gruden, I'm taking the over. Maybe Dan sails off into the sunset, certainly much richer and perhaps even a little wiser than he started. Or maybe he decides to seek revenge against the people who've labeled him a thief and a sexual harasser. What do you think that Dan will do? Uh, thank you for the email. Interesting thought. You know, we should never, ever, ever discount Dan Snyder's willingness uh, to be vindictive or petty. Uh, however, I would think that part of the finalizing of the sale from Dan and Tanya Snyder to the Josh Harris group may have been some sort of agreement, uh, perhaps one of Dan's favorite types of agreement, an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement, protecting the NFL from Dan disparaging the league or leaking emails or anything like that. Now, you might say, hey, Dan could leak emails and then deny being the leaker. Uh, yeah, but if you're Dan, I'm not sure that you want to be taking on the NFL like that, especially given what the NFL may have on Dan that we've never heard about. You know, as the saying goes, you don't know what you don't know. And in this entire Dan Snyder saga, it always has felt like there's a lot that we don't know. Uh, now, look, there's no halo over the NFL's head in this entire Dan Snyder saga. But the NFL, and by the NFL, I mean the owners and the commissioner, Roger Goodell, the NFL clearly turned on Dan. And the NFL is much more powerful and is much richer 
than Dan Snyder is. And if ever there was an all-out war between the NFL and Dan, the NFL would obliterate Dan, especially now that he's no longer one of the league's owners. I'm reminded of something that the great Jake the Snake Roberts said many years ago during his feud with the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase in the then-WWF, now-WWE. Jake was a great talker. He was what is called a great promo, uh, and he said this. You don't play around with people like me, because people like me, we just don't play. Yeah, that would be the NFL if it ever came to having an all-out war with Dan Snyder. You don't play around with people like me, because people like me, we just don't play. That is exactly what the NFL would say to Dan. You don't play with the NFL. Uh, Wise words from Jake the Snake. Email from Craig Sandin in Manassas, Virginia on something that I talked about in the opening segment of Monday's show, episode 622. iHeartMedia firing WBIG morning show host Don Geronimo for comments that he made this past Thursday morning during his show, which was broadcasting live from Commander's Training Camp. The comments were about WUSA 9 sports anchor and reporter Sharla McBride. Uh, Don referred to Sharla as Barbie. Uh, He said, quote, I'm guessing she's a cheerleader, end quote. And there also was uh, some reference to something being, quote, tight, end quote. Writes Greg, first off, as a teen in the 1980s, growing up listening to Don and Mike, the Grease Man, and Howard Stern, I'm still shocked that Don thought that his comments last Thursday were appropriate. I mean, the first day of camp opened to fans with all of that negative off-the-field history finally behind us and a glowing fan base looking forward to better days. Don certainly did not read the room well. iHeart certainly had no choice but to fire him and help protect the relationship between the station and the team. I felt that the commanders handled the situation perfectly. It will be interesting to see what kind of radio and television coverage of the team there is this coming season, given Julie Donaldson's reduced role with the team and given no more NBC Sports Washington pre- and post-game shows. I've always enjoyed your honest opinion on the changing media landscape. I hardly listened to Don since his return to D.C. To me, he played too much music and his team coverage seemed fake. I listen to Elliot in the morning and your podcast, plus your That Chat podcast, and sometimes the Sports Junkies. I was rooting for Don's success, but I guess a leopard never changes his spots. Uh, Thank you for the email, Craig. Like I said on Monday's show, uh, I grew up listening to Don and Mike. Uh, Even though as a kid, I probably didn't get like 75% of the jokes being made. But anyway, uh, what he said this past Thursday morning would not have been a big deal. 30 years ago, 20 years ago, even 10 years ago. But as we all know, things are different now. And while I don't at all like cancel culture, and I do think that at times people are way too sensitive, and I do think that these days we get a lot of what is called virtue signaling from people, I don't think that it's unreasonable to say that Don Geronimo should not have said what he said. I mean, referring to Charlotte McBride as Barbie, in other words, an attractive but empty-headed doll, uh, and saying, quote, I'm guessing she's a cheerleader, end quote, and then also having some reference to something being, quote, tight, end quote, and doing this while doing a radio show at the headquarters of a team for which the radio station that is paying you a lot of money is the flagship radio station. And this team just had perhaps the biggest workplace sexual harassment scandal in the history of pro sports in this country. Yeah, that was a really dumb thing to do, okay? And what's funny about all of this too is that Don Geronimo in November 2021 did this sit-down conversation with, ironically enough, WUSA 9, talking about his return to DC radio. And he talked about having a different perspective and how there were things that he did back in the day that he wouldn't do now. And, you know, Don on Twitter for a while was advocating very strongly for people to get vaccinated for COVID. And he was coming across, or at least trying to come across, as a more progressive, enlightened Don Geronimo. And look, I'm not here to judge the guy, okay? I don't know what's inside his head, what's inside his heart. But, you know, we had all of that not long ago. (laughs) And now we have what happened with these comments about Charlotte McBride. I don't like seeing anyone get fired. I have a lot of respect for what Don Geronimo has done in radio. But given the current environment, given where he was, given who he was doing a show for, it is incredible to me 
that he last Thursday morning even took the chance of saying what he said. I mean, guy, the team just had maybe the biggest workplace sexual harassment scandal in the history of pro sports in this country. There was a congressional investigation. (laughs) Maybe don't say what you said. I don't know. Uh, Well, something that we very much can say is that the home and auto insurance markets right now are not good. Uh, We are routinely seeing 20% increases in home and auto insurance, even when the account is clean, meaning no accidents or violations on the auto insurance and no claims on the property insurance. And that's why you should get with BMC Insurance. Check out BMC Insurance. Go to insurancebmc.com. You'll be put in touch with the owner and president, Matt Brooks, a loyal listener of this podcast. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. BMC Insurance, it offers home insurance, auto insurance, and also small business insurance in Maryland, Virginia, Washington, D.C., and North Carolina. BMC Insurance is an independent insurance agency, meaning that it has many, as in dozens of insurance carriers it works with to make sure that clients are always paying competitive rates. Uh, What's especially great about BMC Insurance is that it has relationships with its clients. BMC Insurance is a trusted advisor for your insurance needs. BMC Insurance continues to work with clients after sales. It has team members who actually shop clients' insurance every year when they renew. And BMC Insurance does this proactively so that you don't have to. BMC Insurance will save you time and money. And perhaps most telling, BMC Insurance's client retention rates historically are much higher than industry averages. You see, when people get BMC Insurance, they stay with BMC Insurance. Don't get gouged on your home and auto insurance. Check out BMC Insurance. Go to insurancebmc.com. Talk to my guy, Matt Brooks, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Uh, and BMC Insurance does offer small business insurance. So if you're looking for general liability, workers' comp, or commercial auto insurance, BMC Insurance can help. Visit insurancebmc.com. That's insurancebmc.com. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. So we on Tuesday are set to have the first padded practice of 2023 Commander's Training Camp. We on Monday morning had the fifth full team practice of camp. Uh, This practice was not open to fans. uh, And this practice did not include linebacker Jamin Davis. Why? (laughs) Well, uh, Jamin was in court. Uh, He was appealing a reckless driving conviction in Loudoun County, Virginia. Jamin on March 28th, 2022 was charged with reckless driving, uh, this for going 114 miles per hour in a 45 mile per hour zone. Yes, you heard that right. 114 miles per hour in a 45 mile per hour zone. Uh, The judge on Monday morning rejected a plea agreement for Jamin. Uh, And we also have this. It turns out that Jamin Davis, a few months before this incident on March 28, 2022, was caught going 89 miles per hour in a 65 mile per hour zone. But that charge was amended to him going 84 miles per hour in a 65 mile per hour zone. I don't know how you hear about this with Jamin Davis and not think about what happened with former Washington safety DeShazer Everett, especially given Jamin's connection to what happened with DeShazer. December 23rd, 2021, two days before Christmas 2021, and just a few months before Jamin allegedly was going, again, 114 miles per hour in a 45-mile-per-hour zone, DeShazer Everett was the driver in a fatal one-car crash in Loudoun County, Virginia, a crash that killed the vehicle's passenger, 29-year-old Olivia Peters. DeShazer, on February 8th, 2022 was charged with involuntary manslaughter. DeShazer on July 19th, 2022 pleaded guilty to a lesser charge of reckless driving. And DeShazer on September 8th, 2022 was sentenced to three months of house arrest 
was ordered to do 100 hours of community service, was fined $2,500, and had his driver's license suspended for six months. But remember this about what happened with DeShazer Everett. Jamin Davis and coroner Benjamin St. Juice reportedly spoke to police and said that they were in a car behind DeShazer's car on the night of the fatal accident, uh, this after having gone out to dinner with DeShazer. So Jamin Davis experienced this tragedy in a very real way, and yet he may well have a speeding problem. I mean, one more time, charged with reckless driving for going 114 miles per hour in a 45 mile per hour zone. Doesn't mean that he's guilty, okay? But if Jamin Davis has a problem with speeding, uh, dude, check yourself, okay? As the great Ice Cube said, check yourself before you wreck yourself and potentially wreck someone else. I mean, I can't imagine the guilt that DeShazer Everett must feel, and he's going to have to carry that guilt with him the rest of his life. Jamin Davis seems like a smart guy if he has a speeding problem. And I say if, but if he has a speeding problem, uh, dude, wake up, okay? Wake up and smarten up. Uh, Well, also on Monday morning were head coach Rod Rivera, receiver Terry McLaurin, and edge defender Montez Sweat all doing post-practice press conferences. Uh, Next segment, I'm going to discuss some interesting comments from Terry on quarterback Sam Howell and more. But right now, given that uh, we were just talking Jamin Davis, albeit in a non-football way, uh, let's do some more on the commander's defense. The team, as things stand right now, has a lot of edge defenders entering contract seasons. Montez Sweat, Chase Young, F.A. Obata, James Smith-Williams, Casey Tuhill, William Bradley King. All of these guys are set to be unrestricted free agents in the 2024 offseason. This was Ron Rivera during his post-practice press conference on Monday morning on how Montez and Chase are handling entering contract seasons. Well, I will tell you, you know, they've done a great job, both of them. Um, you know, I, I think when you look at, you know, both guys coming back in their situation, circumstances, um, you know, so far it's, it's what, we've been, what, what we've been hoping for. I mean, Chase looks solid. You know, he looks good, looks in form already. Um, Montez seems to be picking up right where he left off. So both guys are in a really good place for us. Good to hear that. Uh, Of course, Montez Sweat and Chase Young are entering contract seasons in very different ways. Montez is coming off a really good 2022 season, and he's a candidate to get a big money contract extension in the coming weeks. Chase is coming off two consecutive seasons marred by injury and or ineffectiveness, and the team in the 2023 offseason did not exercise the fifth-year option in his rookie contract. Uh, As for a potential contract extension from Montez Sweat before the start of the 2023 regular season. Ron Rivera on Monday morning addressed that in this way. You get to a certain point, obviously, when, when those conversations, you know, could occur. But right now, as, as we're still kind of feeling our way through, especially with new ownership, you know, those are all conversations that, you know, that, that are still a work in progress in terms of bringing them up to speed where we are, bringing them up to speed as to what our, you know, what our desires are going forward. Um, that's probably the biggest thing that, that we still are working through. I mean, that will be one conversation after the other, after the other. You know, everything from, um, you know, meeting in person to, to phone calls, Zoom calls, just trying to, you know, so they understand what our plan is going forward. And, and so we know what, you know, their feelings are on the subjects. All right. So at least according to what Ron Rivera said right there, it does not sound like much, if any, progress on a Montez Sweat contract extension has been made since the Josh Harris group officially bought the team. Uh, The closing of the sale was on Friday, July 21st. Montez Sweat himself on Monday morning got asked about his contract extension. We had this exchange between Commander's Insider Stephen Wino of the Associated Press and Montez. Notice the other day you walked out, there was this pay Montez sign out there. You being in a, in a, in a contract year, Chase being in a contract year. What's it like when, when, when guys at your position, and you, you see Duran and, and Jonathan get paid, what's it like, kind of, n- the uncertainty of that? Uh, I mean, it's not necessarily an uncertainty. Uh, I mean, you know it's going to happen at, at some point. You just keep your head down and work, and uh, you listen to the guys, uh, uh, your peers around you. I mean, John and Duran, they give me nuggets and advice all the time on just Keep on doing what you're doing and everything will come to fruition. 
So the big money contracts for interior defensive linemen Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. Washington on July 27th, 2021, officially announced the signing of John Allen to a contract extension of what was a four-year, $72 million contract with, according to OverTheCap.com, $33.142 million fully guaranteed at signing. And the Commanders this past March 13th officially announced having signed Deron Payne to a contract extension of what was a four-year, $90 million deal with, according to OverTheCap.com, $46.01 million fully guaranteed at signing. Montez Sweat, to me, is worthy of a big money contract extension. He has been really good in two of the last three seasons, and even his disappointing 2021 season wasn't as disappointing as Chase Young's was. Uh, Yes, you can point to a lack of sacks for Montez Sweat. Okay, fine, but as we have talked about, you can't just go by sacks when judging edge guys. Uh, Montez, for the 2022 regular season, had eight sacks, far from an overwhelming total. But Montez, for the 2022 regular season, also ranked tied for fourth in the NFL in quarterback hits with 28 uh, and ranked tied for 13th in the NFL in tackles for loss with 14. And he, for the 2022 regular season, had an overall grade for pro football focus of 86.4. That's quite good. PFF grades are on a scale of 0 to 100. And Montez has been durable. I don't think that he gets enough credit for this. Montez, over his four NFL regular seasons, has played in 59 of a possible 66 games. The seven games that he missed all came in the 2021 season, but remember why he missed those seven games. He missed five consecutive games due to being on the reserve injured list due to a fractured jaw uh, and then being on the reserve COVID-19 list. And he was inactive for Washington's final two games of the 2021 regular season due to the shooting death of his brother, Anthony Sweat, on December 28th, 2021. So a freak broken jaw being on the COVID list, and the shooting death of his brother. Those are the things that have caused Montez Sweat to miss regular season games in his NFL career. The guy has been durable. Uh, Now, both Montez Sweat and Chase Young did not attend any of the commander's mere six OTA practices in the 2023 offseason, but those two guys did work out together. Uh, They worked with Chase's college defensive line coach, Ohio State associate head coach and defensive line coach Larry Johnson, uh, who is known as a legendary defensive line coach. Uh, This was Montez on Monday morning on working with Coach Johnson. And then you'll hear a uh, series of exchanges with Commander's Insider Sam Fortier of the Washington Post. Generally, it felt kind of weird being on another uh, college campus at first, but we both knew what we was there for, and that was to get better. And uh, just Honing in on some of the techniques from Coach Larry Johnson, he was actually uh, great. Uh, we still we, we brought some of the things that we did in Ohio back out here to just for pre-practice and stuff like that that we do. So, yeah, it was great. It was a great experience. What are some of those things you brought back from Ohio State? Uh, just some hand techniques, some some get-offs, some just D-line techniques that just some the things that help us out on the field. When you talk about wanting to get better each year, do you put – numbers to it do you think like i just want to be better than i was last year how do you get what are your expectations for a season i mean i i used to uh i used to feel like that but i mean after a certain certain while you realize it's not it's not really in the numbers it's just uh, about affecting affecting the game how can you affect the game when did that change for you i don't know it just changed Yeah, well, I bet that I can identify (laughs) when that changed. Do you remember what happened about two years ago? Montez Sweat at his post-training camp practice press conference on August 10th, 2021, said that he wanted himself and Chase Young to break the record for most combined sacks in a season by two teammates in Washington or even NFL history. Quote, I personally want to go get the combined sack record that the guys got back before us, end quote. Uh, That generated a lot of reaction. And uh, sure enough, Montez Sweat and Chase Young in the 2021 regular season ended up combining for six and a half sacks. Uh, The official NFL record for most combined sacks by two teammates in an NFL regular season is Chris Dolman and Keith Millard combining for 39 sacks 
for the 1989 Minnesota Vikings. The record for most combined sacks by two Washington teammates in an NFL regular season is Dexter Manley and Charles Mann combining for 29 and a half sacks for the 1985 Redskins. Uh, Montez and Chase in the 2021 regular season combined for six and a half sacks. So, yeah, my guess is that that experience taught Montez not to put numbers on things. But, you know, he is right. Being a great defensive player is about affecting games more than being a great defensive player is about stats. Uh, Montez Sweat and Chase Young seem to be at the root of Ron Rivera two years ago talking a bunch about concerns with the team's maturity. Do you remember that? Uh, That was a big theme to that 2021 season. Ron in 2021 talked a lot about concerns with the team's maturity, and that ultimately seemed to be, at least in part, about Montez and Chase not adhering to the defensive scheme. And so it was notable that Ron on Monday morning had a lot of good things to say about the team's maturity. Take a listen to these exchanges with Sam Fortier and Commander's Insider John Keim of ESPN. Before 2021, you had some young defenders who were confident, talking about records, things like that. This year, you have defender, young defenders who are pretty confident. Cam Sand, he thinks it's going to be a top five defense. Is, is it a different type of confidence, or is it sort of similar between these two years? I think they're a little more mature. I do. I, th- I think it's a group of guys now that they've been together for four years. Um, there's a lot of confidence in what we're doing and how we do it. Um, I think certain guys in, in key positions have matured. And, and I think with that, it's okay to be confident. Um, but again, you still got to go out and do the work. And that's the thing that, that, that these guys have to do is continue to do the work, continue to practice the way they're practicing. And then when it's time to play, play. Um, and, and, and again, I, I appreciate their confidence. As long as it's, it's not coupled with immaturity, um, I, I feel pretty good about it. What are the things that you see that show you that? Are there specific things on the field or is it in the meeting room? Where, where is that? You know, to say it's only on the field or out in public, no. It's, it's when you watch them do the little things, the little things that are, that are important when it's meetings, when they're in walkthrough, when they're in in practice. I mean, it's like watching some of the guys right now. You know, once practice is done and coach is done, you're, you're done. But couple guys want to go out and they work with each other they talk about some of the some of the calls and some of the techniques they can use they work on catching the balls I mean these are things that are going above and beyond what we expect from them so you know when we see you know as, as I walk through and I see you know seven eight nine ten guys still out there working together you know on their own without coaches around them that's impressive I mean that's that's what you want from your guys and and, and they're doing it on a voluntary basis because they think they need to work together, continue to do that. That's 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 that to me is just showing maturity. Ron, Ron when did over here? When did you start to see that turn? Um, I would say a year ago when we talked about what they were doing in OTAs and minicamp. You know, you could start to see that practice would be over, and you know, the 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 what could be projected. You know, say, oh, those are going to be the starting five or six DBs back there. You see them; they would stay and do a little extra, and they do it on their own, and that that was that was promising, and that that you know that gives you, you know, the the confidence in them that says, okay, they get it; they're doing the things that are right; they're maturing the way you need them to, you know, and and and, and watching, you know, the way Cam Curl's doing things. That that's what you need from a young man that's, you know, potentially one of your one of your true leaders back there. It's good to hear those things from Rod Rivera. Uh, players being confident, even talking about how good that they think the defense will be. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, now, of course, you don't want guys making over-the-top proclamations, but even with what Montez Sweat said two years ago, quote, I personally want to go get the combined sack record that the guys got back before us, end quote. That wasn't some outrageous, oh my God, I can't believe he just said that kind of thing. What made it end up being a punchline was what happened that season. And that's why when you talk big, you better perform big. And part of performing big is putting in the work and adhering to scheme. And it sounds like the commander's defensive players are doing those things. Uh, And then one more from Montez Sweat. I thought that this was interesting from him on Monday morning on Chase Young. Take a listen. Chase Chase looks real good. I mean, one one thing I can say that he has uh, developed on he's he's starting to look he's starting to uh, be more of a pro. He's always been a pro, but I think ever since the injury, as far as the cold tub and the pre practice and the treatments after practice and just things and stuff like that, that's why I think he's upped his game a lot. All right. 
right. Good to hear that about Chase Young. Cannot emphasize enough how big of an upcoming season this is for Chase. He's coming off back-to-back seasons marred by injury and or ineffectiveness. Uh, This will be a contract season for Chase. The trajectory of his NFL career could be on the line this coming season. Well, hopefully, Chase Young has a great 2023 season, and if you have a big event that you're planning and you want that event to be great, uh, know that Catering by Uptown can handle your needs. Catering by Uptown is the DMV's number one catering service. Uh, Catering by Uptown is a family business that prides itself on its signature dishes and flawless presentations. And Catering by Uptown goes beyond just food. Catering by Uptown offers personalized consultation and event planning assistance that are outstanding, including venue coordination, custom catering menu selection from over a thousand delicious dish selections, and a day of event coordinator who will make sure that everything runs smoothly. From putting together and executing a menu, to picking linens, to selecting an excellent florist, Catering by Uptown is committed to meeting your needs and exceeding your expectations. Whether you're having a wedding or a corporate event, an intimate gathering, or a gala, Catering by Uptown is the way to go. Visit cateringbyuptown.com and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Uh, Also, know this, Catering by Uptown is looking for summer help, specifically for the event waitstaff. No experience is necessary, and you get paid in-house training. Great opportunity if you're looking for work. Visit cateringbyuptown.com. That's cateringbyuptown.com. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Well, please consider following this podcast if you're not already doing that. Following the podcast is free. If you have an iPhone, you can follow the podcast simply by tapping the plus sign in the upper right corner on the page listing the recent episodes of the podcast. Uh, More now from what went down at Commander's Training Camp on Monday morning. Uh, What went down on Saturday morning, the day on which we had the estimated 10,000 fans in attendance at practice, was the offense, including quarterback Sam Howell, Not doing so well. Uh, Saturday was not a good day for Sam or the commander's offense. Monday was better. Now, Sam, during Monday morning's practice, did throw an interception to safety Cameron Curl, but Sam also had a touchdown pass to receiver Terry McLaurin, prompting Terry to yell, quote, nice ball, end quote. Hopefully, Terry is yelling that at Sam a lot this coming season. Uh, Terry did a post-practice press conference on Monday morning. Here he was on how things are going with Sam Howell. It's going well. I think he's um, obviously has a lot on his plate learning the offense, has to go through the reads. And as a leader, I'm just trying to be where I need to be, make sure my timing, my spacing is correct. And um, Coach Bobby's doing a great job of echoing that with the receivers. And I think we make his job easier by being where we need to be. So he doesn't have to worry about not only the checks, the reads, getting the call in, but dang, my guys are not at the right depth. So, I mean, I'm taking ownership of that. We're all still learning the offense. But uh, one thing about him, he's not afraid to throw the ball down the field, which is exciting. And um, he's going to give guys a chance to make a play down the field and he throws a really nice deep ball so um you know he's growing I like uh how he's doing and how he's communicating with us as well yeah the deep ball of Sam Howell has garnered a lot of praise we all remember the bomb that Sam had to Terry in Sam's lone NFL regular season game uh, this past January 8th the 26-6 win over the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field uh the final snap of the third quarter, a first and 10 for the Commanders at their 33. Sam, a 52-yard shotgun completion to Terry on a great throw down the right sideline. That completion for the NFL's next-gen stats went for 60 air yards, making the completion the longest regular season completion in terms of air yards by a Washington quarterback since the start of the 2016 season. Uh, So here we are now, another season, another new starting quarterback For our football team, (laughs) Uh, the team is set to have a different week one starting quarterback for a sixth consecutive season. Uh, The team in Terry McLaurin's career has had 10 different regular season starting quarterbacks. 2019, Case Keenum, Colt McCoy, and Dwayne Haskins. 2020, Dwayne Haskins, Kyle Allen, and Alex Smith. 2021, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Taylor Heineke, and Garrett Gilbert. Don't forget about Garrett Gilbert. And 2022, Carson Wentz. Taylor Heineke, and Sam Howell. Ten different regular season starting quarterbacks for Terry McLaurin over his four-season 
NFL career. And yet, Terry last season became the first Washington receiver to have at least 1,000 receiving yards in each of three consecutive regular seasons since Henry Ellard did so from 1994 through 1996. This is why I laugh when people dismiss the idea of Terry being a top 10 receiver in the NFL. The guy has had the worst quarterback situation of any quality NFL receiver over the last four seasons, and yet he has produced. And he has never complained. He has never been a diva, despite playing a position at which we have many, many divas. Uh, This was Terry McLaurin on Monday morning on having played with so many different starting quarterbacks in his NFL career. Probably about year two or year three, you know what I mean? I kind of was like, there's a little bit of uh, turnover at the quarterback position, but at that point, you know, you, you I already had in my mind, like, I don't use that as an excuse as to why I don't do my job. And I don't use it as a crutch to be that why I'm not making plays or, um, you know, there's multiple quarterbacks. So I don't want to use that as a hindrance as to what that is dictates my outcome and my performance. Um, obviously, we know that's something that factors my position, but um, I've never used it as a crutch. And um, with Sam, it's been great so far. It was good to uh, get a feel for him, obviously, in the last game against Dallas. But as we've gone over the course of this offseason, we've thrown together. We've gotten some reps out here. Um, I think one thing that strikes strikes me with him is we have a, a nuanced connection. Even with Dayami, he just has a good feel of throwing the ball down the field. And we really don't have to talk about landmarks and, and putting air under the ball. He just has a really good feel of throwing the ball down the field. And that's a strength my game. I know that's the strength of a lot of our receivers game. And I think that's something that um, we're looking forward to being trying to put on the field this year is um, taking those those shots down the field, but also being consistent in um, underneath routes and and spacing the ball out and things like that. So uh, it's been great so far and I'm excited to work with him and um, hopefully we can um, he's going to be our guy for the future. Yeah, hopefully. Boy, would that be great. And I really like what Terry McLaurin said about not using Washington's quarterback instability as an excuse for not producing. That is exactly the right mindset. And Terry has produced despite the quarterback instability in sports and in life. Uh, There's a difference between hardship and victimhood. Hardship is not a choice. Victimhood is a choice. Terry has dealt with the hardship of playing with so many different quarterbacks, but he has refused to be a victim of playing with so many different quarterbacks. I have a lot of respect uh, for Terry for that. Terry on Monday morning then got asked how much Washington's quarterback instability has hindered things for the team over the last few years. Here was Terry's answer. Well, everybody knows, you know, this is a quarterback-driven league and um, everybody's looking for their guy and um, you know, if you look at the guys who've won the Super Bowl and been consistently in the playoffs, they have that guy that they've been relying on for some time now. And, you know, obviously we're, we're still looking for that guy. I think we've had success. I think we've had guys come in, come in here and help us win games. And um, I've learned from all the guys I've gotten to play with. But, um, you know, obviously we just want someone who's going to be consistently out there and continue to grow with us as a group. And, um, you know, I'm confident in the quarterbacks we have in that building right now uh, that hopefully that's going to be happening. And I think Sam has, like I said, done a great job of uh, being a leader at such a young age. But um, he has a confidence about him that is um, you, you can't help but to notice. So um, I'm excited to work with him along with the rest of our group and our offense, and we're going to see where we're going to go from there. So Terry McLaurin always says all of the right things, but it is encouraging to hear him say what he's saying about Sam Howell. And Terry concluded his post-practice press conference on Monday morning by saying this about Sam. Yeah, to be honest, you really don't even see him get flustered, even when he's had a few... Um, maybe rough patches during practice he doesn't hang his head he's not yelling cussing things like that he stays pretty even kill which is really unique for a young guy like that and um not only that I think that struck me in the Dallas game because we had a turnover but he still wasn't afraid to push the ball down the field and I think with this being a a passing league you still got to stay aggressive it's really cool to see a young guy who's not afraid to continue to give his guys catches because or guys opportunities down the field um because at the end of the day um our receivers in our group 
we're going to have to fight through some adversity. The defense are going to make plays across the season, but the last thing we do is get down on each other. I think EB echoes that a lot, like uh, staying consistent in what we do. And I think that starts with the quarterback. And so far, he's done a really good job. And uh, I know he still has time to grow, but that comes with us rallying around him and doing our jobs to make his job easier. We, every Washington offseason and training camp, starting with 2018's offseason and training camp, have talked about and talked up the next big hope for our team at quarterback, right? 2018, Alex Smith. 2019 and 2020, Dwayne Haskins. 2021, Ryan Fitzpatrick. 2022, Carson Wentz. Now we have Sam Howell. Will Sam be just another name added to this list of those who have tried and failed? (laughs) Or will Sam be the guy who finally provides this team with quality quarterback play for a sustained period of time? Boy, would it be nice if the latter proved to be the case. And then also with Terry McLaurin on Monday morning, was him addressing the impact of the ownership change, the impact of the Josh Harris group? Uh, Terry McLaurin undoubtedly is one of the faces of the franchise. Here he was, on the team having new ownership. Yeah, I mean, I think it's humbling to be in this position to, uh, um, you know, growing as a as a player and as a leader. That's something I've always taken pride in. And um, to see uh, Mr. Harris and the rest of the group that's been brought in, they're uh, a very impressive group of individuals, and they have a clear vision on how they want to get this organization back to where it once was back in the days. And uh, one thing that strikes about him, he's just so personable, and um, it really shows that he cares about the wellness of the players and starts with us how we can he can improve um, what's going on here. So um, the communication with him has been great. Leaders have gotten to meet with him. I know he's been talking to the coaching staff and everybody like that, and um, um, it was great to see this place sold out on Saturday and the buzz and the energy that this place had. Um, something I hadn't probably quite experienced since I've been here, but it was just cool to uh, feel that <clears throat> that energy that everybody's bringing. And now it's on us to uh, put the work in now so we could give everybody something to cheer for and we could be consistent this year. You know, you think about Terry McLaurin. The Redskins took him in the third round of the 2019 NFL Draft. So his first NFL season was a 2019 season in which the Skins had a regular season record of 3-13 and and fired their head coach, Jay Gruden. Uh, then came the 2020 offseason, which featured the eruptions of three controversies slash scandals in the name change, the ownership turmoil, and the workplace misconduct scandal. So Terry, from the get-go in his NFL career, has known dysfunction. Uh, hopefully, that dysfunction now is done. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
How many trades will the Nationals end up making prior to the 2023 MLB trade deadline on Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern? The 2021 MLB trade deadline, uh, it was on July 30th, 2021 at 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, The Nats prior to that trade deadline, over a period of a little more than 24 hours, traded a total of eight players for a total of 12 prospects. What a fire sale that was by the Nats in 2021. Uh, The 2022 MLB trade deadline was on August 2nd, 2022 at 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, The Nats prior to that trade deadline only made two trades, although one of the trades was one of the biggest trades in MLB history. Uh, The trading of outfielder Juan Soto and first baseman Josh Bell to the San Diego Padres for six players. The other trade uh, was the Nats trading super utility man A-Ray Adrianza. Remember him? Uh, He got dealt to the Atlanta Braves. Well, the Nats regarding this 2023 MLB trade deadline on Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern have made a trade. Uh, The Nats on Monday evening, shortly before the start of Game 1 of a three-game series against the Milwaukee Brewers at Nationals Park, announced a trade. Uh, The Nats announced that they had traded third baseman Jamer Candelario to the Chicago Cubs for two prospects, shortstop Kevin Bidet and left-handed starting pitcher DJ Herz. Uh, shortstop Kevin Bidet, uh, he was the number 14 prospect in the Cubs farm system per MLB pipeline. This season is his age 20 season. The Cubs signed Bidet as an international free agent out of the Dominican Republic in July 2019. And left-handed starting pitcher DJ Herz, uh, he was the number 16 prospect in the Cubs farm system per MLB pipeline. This season is his age 22 season. The Cubs took hers out of a high school in North Carolina in the eighth round of the 2019 MLB draft. So Jamer Candelario netted two of the Cubs' top 16 prospects. Look, uh, teams in MLB are smarter than ever before. The days of teams giving up highly regarded prospects for two-month rentals are over. Uh, And so I'm not complaining about what the Nats got back for Candelario. Two young prospects with upside. Hopefully the Nats will do a good job of developing these guys. But I do want to salute Jamer Candelario. The Nats this past November 29th announced having agreed with Candelario on a one-year free agent contract. The deal was a one-year $5 million deal. He was coming off a bad 2022 season with the Detroit Tigers. But Candelario this season, uh, what is his age 29 season, was terrific for the Nats. Uh, Candelario, at the time of being traded by the Nats, was number one among all qualified National League third basemen in both major versions of wins above replacement, of war, uh, for this regular season. Uh, We have the baseball reference version of war and the fangraphs version of war. He registered a B-war of 3.3 and an F-war of 3.1. F-war sounds R-rated, I know, but F-war stands for fangraphs war. War measures a position player in his totality on the field, batting, base running, and defense. Candelario, when viewed through that prism in both of the major ways, B-war and F-war, has been the best third baseman in the National League this season. The Nats took a guy who had a bad 2022 season and turned him into the best third baseman in the National League this season. Candelario for the Nats hit well, played a nice third base, and played hard. Uh, What just happened with the Nats with Jamer Candelario, to me, was a textbook example of what I like to call a fix-em and flip-em signing. The fix-em and flip-em signing is a beautiful thing for a rebuilding team. You sign a guy coming off a down season to a low-money, low-risk, high-upside contract, and you rehab that guy to where you can trade him to add to your inventory of prospects. This is beautiful. Fix him and flip him. Uh, this was Nats manager Davey Martinez during his postgame press conference on Monday night on Jamer Candelario. You know, Jamer, obviously, you know, um, he was awesome. Like I said before, he was everything I expected and more. And uh, he did well for us. And, you know, We'll miss him, but, you know, he's going to go help the Cubs try to win, you know, get to the playoffs and win the championship. So good for him, you know. So um, we'll miss him, you know. But, you know, he, he gets to move on. And like I said, it, that opens up an opportunity for somebody else. So um, we'll, uh, we'll start working with, with, with the next guy up here and try to get him get him playing time and, and uh, get him used to playing in the major leagues. 
And that player would appear to be infielder Jake Alou. Nats insider Jesse Doherty of the Washington Post on Monday evening reported that the Nats are calling up Jake Alou. Uh, As for the Nats' actual game on Monday night, the Nats won. I'm proud of the boys. (laughs) Yes, Davey Martinez, the boys. uh, They won a 5-3 win over the Milwaukee Brewers at Nationals Park in game one of a three-game series. The Nats improved to 45-62. That is the second-worst record in the National League, but the Nats now have won eight of their last nine home games. And off Jamer Candelario having been traded, we in this game, rather interestingly, uh, had three other Nats players mentioned in trade reports slash rumors playing well. Uh, This win ended up being a showcase game uh, for three Nats trade ships, talking about Joey Manessis, Lane Thomas, and Kyle Finnegan. A big game for Joey Manessis. Now, Manessis hasn't been talked about a ton as being a trade ship for the Nats, but his name has been out there some. Uh, Manessis on Monday night as the Nats starting DH and number four batter went three for four with a solo homer, a double, and a two-run single. Uh, Manessis in the Nats one-run second had a leadoff homer to left field for a one-nothing Nats lead. Manessis in the bottom of the fourth had a leadoff double to the left field corner on a one-two pitch. And Manessis in the Nats three-run seventh had a tie-breaking two-out two-run broken bat opposite field single to right center field on an 0-2 pitch for a 5-3 Nats lead. Joey Manessis had a terrible June, but he just had a very good July. Manessis for the month of July, batting average at 283, on base percentage of 330, slugging percentage of 533. Lane Thomas, uh, his name very much has been out there in a lot of uh, trade reports and rumors. Uh, Thomas on Monday night as an ad starting right fielder and number two batter went two for four with two RBI singles. So Thomas in an ad's one-run fifth had a one-out RBI single to left center field for a 2-1 Nats lead. Uh, and Thomas in that Nats three-run seventh had a game-tying one-out RBI single to left field to tie the game at three. Uh, Lane Thomas did not have a good month of July overall, but he, for this regular season, does have an OPS of 807. Uh, you know, the Nats for this game on Monday night had just seven hits, uh, did draw five walks, went three for 12 with runners in scoring position, but five of the Nats' seven hits came from Joey Manessis and Lane Thomas. And reliever Kyle Finnegan, uh, he on Monday night tossed a perfect top of the ninth for the save. If Nats president of baseball operations and general manager Mike Rizzo is trying to trade these guys, Joey Manessis, Lane Thomas, Kyle Finnegan, uh, they on Monday night certainly did their parts. Uh, also in this 5-3 win over the Brewers on Monday night, more production from C.J. Abrams in that number one spot. Abrams, as an at starting shortstop and number one batter, went one for three with a single and a walk, and he had a stolen base. Abrams, in the bottom of the third, had a one-out first pitch single into right field, and Abrams, in that Nats, one-run fifth, drew a one-out walk, and had a steal of second base, giving him 22 consecutive steals without being caught. C.J. Abrams is rolling right now. Uh, The Nats starting pitcher on Monday night was Jake Irvin. Uh, He was good. Uh, Irvin allowed two runs in five and a third innings. I mean, he wasn't dominant, okay? He did put some guys on base. He gave up six hits, two doubles, and four singles. He issued two walks. He only had two strikeouts. Uh, He over his five and a third innings through 92 pitches. But, you know, you look at Jake Irvin in a different way as compared to, say, a Josiah Gray or a Mackenzie Gore. Uh, Irvin in the top of the third allowed a run on back-to-back two-out doubles uh, to right center field by Kristen Yelich and William Contreras. Tatata gave it one. Uh, the Contreras two-out RBI opposite field double uh, came despite him having been down in the count of 1.12 and Irvin in the top of the six allowed a run on a one-out walk and then back-to-back one-out singles. But this to me was another solid outing from Jake Irvin who continues to make his case for being part of the future plans uh, for our rebuilding Nats. Uh, the Nats on May 3rd recalled Irvin from AAA Rochester. They took him in the fourth round of the 2018 MLB draft out of the University of Oklahoma. Uh, Irvin, at the time of being called up by the Nats, was their number 20 prospect for MLB Pipeline. Uh, he, over his first seven major league starts in this regular season, had an ERA of 581. He was not good. He then had his turn in the rotation skipped, and he since then has been better. Uh, nine starts, an ERA of 425. Not great, but certainly better. Uh, And then prior to Kyle Finnegan on Monday night, uh, were some bullpen problems uh, for the Nats. Uh, Jose A. Ferrer 
allowed a run in one and a third innings. He entered the game in the top of the sixth with runners on first and second, one out, and the game tied at two. He, on his very first pitch, induced a 1-4-3 double play for the second and third outs, but Ferrer in the top of the seventh gave up a tie-breaking one-out solo homer by the Brewers' number nine batter, Joey Weimer, to center field for a 3-2 Brewers lead. Uh, the homer winner projected 409 feet per stat cast. Uh, Jordan Weems, who had been going well, did not do well. Uh, he faced three batters, got just one out, but then Mason Thompson tossed a scoreless top of the eighth on just five pitches. Game two for the Nats against the Brewers, Tuesday night at 7.05. Josiah Gray will be the Nats' starting pitcher. Well, there is an undeniable energy with the Orioles right now. They have the best record in the American League. They are filled with young and promising players at the major league level and are filled with quality prospects in the minors. Uh, the O's have been one of the most talked about teams regarding the MLB trade deadline on Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern. Heck, the O's are even drawing fans. Uh, the O's over the weekend won two or three games against the New York Yankees at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. The total announced attendance for that series was 114,816. Highest total attendance for a three-game series at Oriole Park at Camden Yard since July 2016. Understand, the O's have ranked 19th or worse in the majors in average home attendance for each of the last eight regular seasons, 2015 through 2022. Even the Orioles' attendance is on the rise, and the O's on Monday night began a big four-game series with a win. And the Orioles again in the win column. That is correct, Joe Angel, the win column. Uh, the O's won at the Toronto Blue Jays 4-2 on Monday night in game one of a four-game series. Now, the Tampa Bay Rays on Monday night did win two. Uh, the Rays won at the Yankees 5-1. So the O's now are 65-41, and 41, still with a one-and-a-half game lead on the Rays for the best record in the American League and for first place in the American League East. But the O's now are six-and-a-half games ahead of the Blue Jays, who are third in the American League East. Uh, tremendous pitching by the O's on Monday night. Kyle Gibson was good for a third consecutive start. He allowed one run in six innings. Uh, he gave up just four hits, all of which were singles. He issued two walks. He recorded five strikeouts. You know, Gibson usually is a pitch-to-contact guy. Not so much on Monday night. He was uh, missing some bats, Kyle Gibson was. Uh, he threw 97 pitches, 60 strikes versus 37 balls. Really good to see Kyle Gibson going well. Uh, his previous start came in the 4-3 walk-off loss at the Philadelphia Phillies last Tuesday evening, July 25th. Gibson in that game allowed two runs in six innings with five strikeouts versus no walks. And Gibson in the 4-3, 10-inning win at the Tampa Bay Rays on July 20th allowed three runs in six innings with eight strikeouts. And two of the runs charged to Gibson came on a double that was given up by reliever Yanir Cano. Speaking of Cano, speaking of the Orioles' bullpen, well, three Orioles relievers in this 4-2 win at the Blue Jays on Monday night combined to allow one run in three innings with five strikeouts, but also five walks. Uh, Danny Coulomb faced four batters, got three outs with two swinging strikeouts, but the aforementioned Yanir Cano, he was not good. He allowed a run in a third of an inning, he faced four batters, got just one out. He, in the bottom of the eighth, gave up a leadoff homer and issued back-to-back one-out walks. And so that meant that O's manager, Brandon Hyde, had to go to Felix Batista for a five-out save. Uh, now, Batista did come through, and that was great. But, you know, Batista cannot keep doing this, okay? This is how you overwork your ace reliever. Uh, Yanir Cano needs to be better or someone else needs to emerge and overtake the eighth inning role that Yanir Cano possesses. But credit to Felix Batista. Uh, he tossed one and two-thirds scoreless innings for a five-out save. He came into the game in the bottom of the eighth with runners on first and second, one out, and the O's clinging to a 4-2 lead. He retired each of the first two batters he faced, and then Batista tossed a scoreless bottom of the ninth, despite issuing two walks, uh, and also in the bottom of the ninth was left fielder Austin Hayes, 
with one of the best defensive plays of this Orioles season. Runners on first and second, one out, a sensational diving catch in the left center field gap of a liner off the bat of Whit Merrifield for the second out. What a play by Austin Hayes. This is how Brandon Hyde's postgame session with reporters on Monday night started. Uh, an exchange with O's insider Steve Molesky of MassInSports.com. So many big things happen there. What what are some of the things that stand out to you right now? Well, our defense. Um, obviously, but stretching Batista in an area I don't want to stretch him to and getting five enormous outs. Um, Hazy's catch in left center. Gunner, the way he played third base all game. Mateo, a couple nice plays. But Hazy's catch really that was the, an enormous play in the game. And um, Batista sucking it up and going you know, out there getting five outs. Uh, love the way Gibby threw the ball. Unfortunately, he kind of ran out of gas there to start the seventh, but uh, uh, he, was, he pitched outstanding tonight. Yeah, Kyle Gibson was good. Uh, the Orioles' offense in this 4-2 win at the Blue Jays on Monday night was uh, so-so. Uh, the O's totaled four runs, eight hits, and three walks. Uh, went just one for six with runners in scoring position. Four of the Orioles' eight hits were extra base hits. Uh, Gunnar Henderson did homer. He is the Orioles' starting third baseman. And number two batter went one for three with a solo homer and a walk. And he had a stolen base. Uh, Henderson, in the Orioles' two-run third, had a leadoff homer to right field on a one-two pitch for a 3 nothing. Orioles lead. Gunnar Henderson for this regular season is number one among all qualified Orioles players in OPS at 8.05. And Ryan Mountcastle, who in his career has tortured Blue Jays pitching, uh, he on Monday night as the Orioles starting DH and number five batter went at two for three with a two-run double, another double, and an RBI sack fly. Mountcastle in the Orioles, a two-run first, had a two-out, two-run opposite field double to right field for a 2 nothing Orioles lead. And Mountcastle in the Orioles, a two-run third, had a one-out RBI sack fly for a 4 nothing Orioles lead. Game two for the O's at the Blue Jays Tuesday night at 7.07. Kyle Bradish will be the Orioles starting pitcher. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Wednesday show, episode 624. We'll include a lot for you on the Commanders. Also talk Nationals and Orioles. It adds on Tuesday night at 7.05 of game two of a three-game series against the Milwaukee Brewers at Nationals Park. The O's on Tuesday night at 7.07 have game two of a four-game series at the Toronto Blue Jays. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. You don't play around with people like me. Because people like me, we just don't play. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.